Kayleen, what are we discussing? The Bourne Trilogy. And what are we going to do with them? Spoil. So if you haven't seen these movies, please watch them before uh, listening to this episode. Or if you just want to listen to us be so smart and funny. Or just and go on a ride with us. Then just listen to the and episode. And maybe it'll inspire you to watch some or none of them. Maybe you'll find out these are for you or not for you. And I think all of them are on Hulu, so oh, it's shit. very easy to watch them. And I own three of the movies. So come to Daniel's house at... WeExplainMovies.com <laughs> Yeah. Today, we are here to discuss the Bourne trilogy. And by trilogy, I'm referring to the three films that came out in the 2000s. The Bourne Identity, The Bourne Supremacy, and The Bourne Ultimatum. You had never seen them before. Mm-mm. And I just want to give a brief recount of my relationship with the movies, mm-hmm. just because they're pretty near and dear to my heart, just yeah. because I grew up watching them. Yeah. When I was little, we would go over to my grandma's house and she would rent a couple movies as an activity. Sometimes we would go with her to either Blockbuster or Hollywood Video to mm-hmm. choose it ourselves. But I think this one time, she had picked the movies, and the two movies were Minority Report and The Born Identity. Your grandma seems sick as hell. That's me as a grandma. It's hit Being and miss. Like, because kids, uh, here's some action movies you're going to watch. Here's some dope-ass movies. Yeah, I'm going to show my kids John Wick 3 first. One time, she rented What's Eating Gilbert Grape. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yeah. It's a traumatizing it's movie. Dark. So it was hit and miss. But Born Identity blew our minds yeah we, we thought it was amazing action stuff and it was kind of like baby's first action okay. movie or hand-to-hand combat you movie think out of all the movies you've talked about you saw this one first you know i was thinking about that i was yeah. trying to figure out if i saw terminator 2 first uh-huh. or born identity it may have been around the same time okay. i think i is this like eight it would have been like 2003 i've seen all of them in theaters except the first one mm-hmm. and supremacy came out in 2004 mm-hmm. so that means it must have been in 2003 okay so i want to say i saw terminator 2 first okay. but i think the the hand-to-hand aspect of the action yeah. in born identity was what blew our minds mm-hmm. But watching them this time, I understand that I have the relationship with the movies because I saw them so young. So seeing them as an adult now, I don't know what... I was going to say, does it kind of... Were you having that experience of knowing you were watching it with someone who had never seen it? So you were kind of having like that filter on? Yes, absolutely. And let me say that uh, whatever your opinion is, I am not going to be offended. (laughs) My relationship is my relationship. (laughs) Yeah, of course. That doesn't affect that. Going into some questions that I wrote, and this one, I I wrote this question just to set the tone. Mm -hmm. Of the three movies, which one do you think was your favorite? Ultimatum. Ultimatum? By far. Okay. So we'll go more into that (laughs) when we get to it. My next question is, how do you feel about Matt Damon just as an actor? Do you... Like separate from the series? Separate from the series. I feel like he's good. I feel like I always believe him. I think he often plays similar characters. Like, I really kind of feel like Will from Goodwill Hunting. I feel like that's kind of a little bit different than a lot of the stuff I think of him as. That one I feel like maybe is my favorite of his performances, and it was one of his first. Mm -hmm. But besides that, I think he's good. I do think a lot of since Born, I feel like he plays a lot of similar parts. Mm -hmm. Like action or like just kind of the stoic leading man. 
But I think he's good at it. Yeah, I like seeing him in stuff. Yeah. And going on Letterboxd, apparently I've seen 37 of oh, his wow. movies. Because he's in a lot of shit. He's in a lot of stuff. And I think he was just one of those leading men who was just always around yeah. when I was young. It yeah. was him, Brad Pitt, and George Clooney. And mm-hmm. those were the three guys who dominated Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I looked forward to seeing and stuff. What were you expecting for the trilogy? Like overall? Yes. I feel like all my predictions that we recorded are pretty accurate. (laughs) Like the little prediction snippets we did on your phone. Mm -hmm. I think I expected it to be a little more uh, mystery, like puzzle type stuff. Like trying to fill in the gaps and like a little more trippy in that way. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit leaning heavier in the action than I expected. But I think the overall tone was about what I thought. Like kind of more CIA secret agent Mm -hmm. type stuff. How did it hold up to your expectations? For the first one? Yeah. I think the first one was my least favorite. Okay. Um, I say that because I just think, I don't know. I, you know, I feel like when I first watched it, I couldn't pinpoint why that was. I was like, maybe this just isn't a series for me. Maybe it's just like something that I didn't resonate with. But I also kind of was examining what I like about the other action movies we've talked about. And I feel like maybe I like when there's a little bit more of a fantasy element. And so since this one was so like CIA, secret agent, like speak, and they're like, oh, this Operation Treadstone, Operation this, like, and then all these characters that just end up dying that we don't care about for very long, I just felt maybe that's not my type of action movie as much as the others. And when you say fantastic element, do you mean... Like pirates or like supernatural or like Terminator Or a robot coming to... Or you live in a computer simulation... (laughs) It is very grounded in reality. And I think that, especially in the first one, it's fighting a battle between being an action movie of the time period, Mm -hmm. the 2000s, and being a serious behind the scenes of U.S. intelligence agencies. And I think they hone in on that that style a Mm -hmm. little bit more as it goes on. That first one, there seems to be an incongruence between the style, Mm. and the subject matter. Because one thing that I realized on this watch was that the subject matter is pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And I think not dissimilar from something you would see in a Catherine Bigelow movie who does these behind the scenes of espionage like she did Zero Dark Thirty. That I appreciate about it because it doesn't seem like it's it's pandering. It's it mm-hmm. seems like an this is an action movie for adults. There's not a lot of humor or irony. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I have to imagine that you like humor and I think so, yeah. I think I Some levity. This is like jumping ahead a little bit, but when <laughs> when the romance gets introduced, I was like I wrote a note that I'm like, I think his character's asexual. Because like I just felt <laughs> no chemistry and it felt a little bit like you know, I just wish there was a little more humanity to him, I think, or a little more of a dynamic between the two that, like, I just wasn't interested in their dynamic very much. You yeah, know? something to sink your teeth Yeah, into. exactly. A fun fact about the latter two movies yeah. is that Jason Bourne does not smile in those two movies. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, ever? No, wow. not, a, not a single time. Did you figure that out or someone online figured I that s- out? I think I saw it on IMDb That's trivia crazy. after we, we watched Supremacy. And then yeah. when we watched Ultimatum, yeah. I was looking out for it. And other than the flashbacks to yeah. him smiling, he doesn't smile. Weird. That's, that sets a tone to not smile. It's funny that you, you mentioned the lack of chemistry that you felt between him and Marie. Yeah. I, my question was, did you like Marie? 
I didn't dislike her, but I just, I really had no investment in her. Yeah, you know? it didn't go to that extra level. Yeah, for you. and like when she died, I was sad for him, skipping ahead to the second movie, but I wasn't like, it didn't devastate me the way that you said it devastated you. It's hard to disagree with you because I don't dislike her in theory. Right, I think right. you need someone to humanize Bourne right. in the first movie. And someone to be like, whoa, what the fuck? And also someone that he can, he's the surrogate audience because. Right. He doesn't know anything about him. We don't know anything about him. Mm -hmm. So she acts as that person to tell stuff to. Right. So I think that's a clever way. I think there's also an element of performance, too, that doesn't completely sell it. It's weird. It's almost like all of her lines were 80 yard. Mm. They, they have a weird tone to them. Yeah. That there's something a little off mm -hmm. that prevents me from completely like buying it but again yeah. i i like them in theory i i really like the plot where they go to um her the friend's house. house yeah i like that part too and, and because you get to see another person dealing with this and a child so i like that aspect of it um my first note was just a joke that was where is matthew lillard because you made a joke that he was in this movie uh, <laughs> and i wish that would have been i don't even remember that <laughs> um Oh, this is so random, but when he, you know, in the very beginning where they pull the laser thing out of his back and then it projects the safety deposit information on the wall? Yes. I had this like just flashback memory of, did you ever have those lasers where you could change the face of the laser, like a laser pointer? But you could change the head on it and it would like project it on your wall. Did no. you ever have that? So like those laser pointers, the classic ones that you could buy like out of a vending machine or whatever. Yeah, like professors use them. Right. They had like a pack you could buy where you could change the face. And I remember I had one where you would it would project a smiley face on the wall. And as I was watching this, I was like, holy shit, that was like a distant memory that I unlocked. I'm trying to think of like what else in my notes was actually important and not just jokes. <laughs> I wrote, is Jason Bourne his Christian name? Which we find out in number two. It's not. This lady reminds me of Claire Danes. I kind of wish it was played by Claire Danes. Marie? Marie. Mm-hmm. Let me interject real quick. I really like that it is a European actress. Yeah, that's Because nice. that, that adds an element. That she's of... actually European. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I also had this brief thought that maybe she was going to be a plant, which I think could have been really interesting. I think... Overall, it's nicer with the dynamic that it has. But I did have a moment where I wrote down, is she a plant? Like, does she actually know who he is and she's pretending? And then I thought it would be interesting if, you know, then he started to remember shit about her and she was actually there to double cross him or something. That would have been more into what I think you like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something that gives me a little bit more to bite. <laughs> Instead of like, okay, they're talking. Okay. And then they have that Kaiser Sosa moment at the end. Yeah. I'm just like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a part that I just really, it reminded me of something I think I would have really liked in an action movie as a kid if I had grown up watching this is when he's at the diner and he's talking about like, why do I know that that guy over there weighs this much? Why do I know that, you know, there's this license plate outside? And he's saying all these things that he just notices, you know, without trying. And that was like my goal as a kid, like my dream was to be someone who just knew all this shit. Like, like to read the room. Like a spy. Like I just, as a kid, I was like, that'd be so sick to walk into any room and be like, yeah, there's six people in here. Like three of them are wearing red shirts. And like, I don't know. I just thought that was so sick. There's a special feature on the third movie called Spy Training <gasps> where they show clips from the movie 
And then after the clip, they'll ask you questions. It is like, what was what was on the table? That's fun. And I did really bad. I think I got I got two right out of the five. It's hard to fo- it like you know those videos they show you in psych class or whatever where you're supposed to count the balloons or some shit, but then a gorilla walks by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like literally impossible for our brains to absorb everything all at once. Yeah, you know. So I wonder how you how you train for that. I don't know. Whoops! I hit the microphone. How dare you? Sorry. Yeah. Do you think that if you had seen these movies as a kid that you would have liked them a lot? Or do you think your interests in the fantastic I, have been pretty concrete? I don't know. I could see it being either. I do think if I grew up with them, I would have had more of a of an attachment to them. Also because what I realized having this be the first movie series we've talked about where I hadn't seen them before... It kind of gave me stress with how much I had to absorb on just one watch, you know? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, for example, doing... Um, I'm trying to think of the one that I had seen the most. Like, doing The Matrix. I had seen all of them more than once. And so when we did that, it's like I'm watching it for... Especially the first one, I'm watching it for, like, the millionth time. And just kind of writing down intricate things I'm noticing and mm-hmm. examining. But I don't have to spend much time focusing on the lore because I already know it so well. Yeah. And then for the sequels, it's more, it's a little bit more of note taking, but it's more, it's easier for me to follow because I've seen them several times. So for this, I felt a little overwhelmed with like, oh, fuck, I barely even remember everybody's names. And then every time we would watch a new movie, I was like, can you give me a recap of what happened? I forget some of the shit, you know? Well, and there is a lot of plot details yeah. that are difficult to pinpoint. I mean, yeah. I've seen these movies a lot. And there's still stuff that I'm not completely clear about. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I I appreciate them not holding my hand because it's a movie. I should be able to figure it out. But there are times where they're just kind of, they'll throw, it's like a throwaway line. And then I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Did, who are they talking about? What'd mm-hmm. they say? You know? <laughs> what did I miss? Well, and like there's that scene where they're trying, they have um, one of Bourne's aliases, John right. Michael Caine. Right. And he goes to this office building mm-hmm. where he had a meeting as Kane. Right. And I have to imagine that seeing that the first time, you're like, okay, w- what exactly is he doing? And even I, I I'm like, okay, I think yeah. he, when he was, why he went there in the first place was to get information about the boat that right. the dictator was on. Right. But they do not spell that no. out which i appreciate right but i also <laughs> you're like oh, is she okay over there <laughs> oh for that whole john michael kane thing that was kind of another moment where i think i wanted it to go in more of an extreme route where they were like but sir john michael kane is dead and i just i don't know where i thought it was gonna go but i was like he's gonna have a twin like he's gonna have i thought it was gonna be <laughs> something like insane and then it was just like a plant and i was like Boo. what if it redropped the title and it said the john michael kane identity whoa that'd be sick title <laughs> card like way at the end <laughs> just a yeah john michael kane yeah one of my questions was did you think it was difficult to follow <laughs> Yes, but I couldn't tell if that was like a me problem or a movie problem. I think it's the movie. Okay. What was the most difficult part, if you can pinpoint a I think it was that moment. by the end of the movie, it felt like it was a pretty simple idea. Like by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, it's kind of if I were to sum this up in a couple sentences, he went to kill this guy, was like, oh shit, your kids are here. I don't want to kill you. And then therefore got shot and was in the water 
Like, that's pretty much the gist of the whole film. Yes. But it there was so much else going on that I was like, is that all of the meat I really had to pick up and remember? Or was there, like, other really small shit that's important, you know? And there kind of is, but there kind of isn't. I guess in that regard, it does a good job yeah. of putting you in born shoes. Yeah. Like yeah. Memento is edited so you know what it's like right. to have his short term memory. This is at least he has the training to to put all this information right. together to make it make sense. Yeah. Was there a moment that you're still confused about? No, but I do think it helped me watching the little recap videos I told you about just because I got to go, okay, that thing that I thought was correct or that thing that I was a little confused about was this guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I did write a couple things after watching the little videos online. You would have seen this too because you watched the video. You sent it to me. But it was really interesting that they said that Nikki was supposed to die. Do you remember that? Yeah, they filmed it. Yes. And it didn't make it into the movie. That's so sick. And they so said, she's in the next two movies. <laughs> and they said that it was just because she wasn't available for pickups. And so I guess they maybe they were going to do something else with her death. But then she wasn't available. So they're like, eh, we'll just cut it. It's like, that's crazy. And she ends up being like a big part of the second and third movie. You think Julia Stiles was pinching herself like... I filmed a death scene and now I'm getting paid to be in sequels. Or she's having like born identity crisis where she's like, did I film a death scene? Born identity crisis. I like that. (laughs) Maybe that's the title of the the episode. Where you think you're having amnesia, but you're not. Uh, I feel like I strayed from your question. What was your question again? Was there anything that you're still confused about? No, I don't think so. Okay. Something else that I want to say is the appeal of the movie's as I was a young adult watching them and then in my teenage years is just how competent Jason Bourne is. He's not James Bond yeah. going around saying, my name's Bond, James Bond. Right, oh, right, right. I'm going to fuck you. Right. No, he's he's very to the point. He doesn't fuck around. He turns normal objects into weapons. I know, yeah. And I like to, I have a quote from, you know, the YouTuber Patrick Willems. Oh. If you saw him, you you would recognize okay. him. But he's a bald dude in glasses. He okay. does video essays. Anyways, he has a review of um, the movie Air, mm-hmm. the Nike movie. And he said, uh, Ben knows what the people want. Movies about Matt Damon being good at his job. Oh, yeah. And I agree with that. That's true, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I know you haven't seen it yet, yeah. but the, the killer so funny that you should mention that Dakota and I are halfway through it right now. Okay. Yeah, we paused it this morning because he had to go somewhere. I really like all the preparation yeah. scenes in that movie. Yeah, me too. And it's very Dexter. <laughs> I gotta say, Bourne was reminding me of it a lot. Yeah. Except Bourne is arguably more competent than the killer. Yeah. I um, mean, it sets off the whole movie. I told you about this when we did our core movies for me, where the guy pulls the pen. Out of his right. hand. Yeah. That is iconic. And I was yeah. I was looking over at you to see your reaction when uh, What was it? I don't remember. You went, Oh. Oh. <laughs> Something that I thought was cool in one of the videos you showed is they talked a lot about Oliver Wood. LOL Harry Potter. Um Oliver Wood, the cinematographer's style and how a big part of like the physical stuff that happens in all the Bourne movies is a big part of how he decided to film it and how everything is like kind of like a one shot and you get to see the whole fight scene and get to like really feel like you're in it. And then they talked about how, you know, a bunch of movies do this now, one of them being John Wick. And I'm like that, it really feels like John Wick took 
this kind of stuff and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, oh, you can use a pen as a weapon. I can use a fucking book to break someone's jaw open. Yeah. You know, you had asked me when we were watching Ultimatum, I think, mm-hmm. which movie was my favorite. Yeah. And I have to give a little bit <laughs> of an edge to this one mm-hmm. because I find the style the most digestible. The other two movies use so much shaky cam, which we oh. we can get to a little more when we talk about those movies specifically. Yeah. But it's nice to see something that's grounded in reality. That's yeah. what I like. I like static shots mm-hmm. a lot. That's funny. I didn't notice that difference. Really? Yeah. Really, the fight scenes are the only times where the in the first movie where the editing gets a little mm-hmm. energetic. Mm-hmm. But I found it a little detrimental mm-hmm. in the second and third movie, which we can go into a little bit later. Another note I have is the screenplay is very trim. I feel like mm-hmm. it doesn't have any excess. Something I think I would have liked to see is if they had spent a little bit more time with the family the the Marie's like, lo- friend yeah the lover and, and the child yeah ex lover born didn't assassinate Wambosi because right. his children oh, were yeah. present it kind of knocks him out of his programming right, of oh there's right. a human component that is damaged by what I've been trained to do so I think it would have been nice to have a little Logan moment you know the mm-hmm. Wolverine movie where they they actually take a, a good chunk of time to spend it with that family. Yeah. And I think that would have been beneficial to add. Mm-hmm. I It would have slowed the movie down, which is probably why they didn't do it. And there is a deleted scene, uh, mm. uh, them having dinner. But it, I think it really needed to just take maybe five or ten minutes yeah. to spend time with them. Bummer. Yeah, I think that would have been nice, too. Maybe that could have given him some more humanity, too. Maybe they could have cracked. Like, maybe he could have been good with kids. Yeah. And we see that. And then it's like, when the reveal happens later, we're like, oh, that makes sense. We've seen you have kind of a soft side for children. Yeah. Even when he remembers who he is in the third movie, we still don't know much about him. Mm-mm. Which is pretty funny because these are successful movies. Yeah, yeah. You think audiences would be irritated by yeah. that. Anything you want to bring up? <laughs> I just like shit posts sometimes in these notes. I wrote, she's got it bad. Like she was trying so desperately to get him interested in her. And he kept feeling like, yeah, all right. Well, I got to go punch this guy. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, when they're just uh, like, washing the dye out of her, her that hair. That was part of it. But just like, I feel any time that they were alone together, she was always like lingering and like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like that, that element of her character because she is... She does move around a lot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of established that she doesn't really have one set place. So yeah. the fact that maybe she's using him a little bit because yeah, he yeah. paid her 10K to drive him across Europe. Yeah. I wrote this note and I don't really remember it. I wanted to see if you had a thought. I wrote, how did he know there was a sniper? I'm assuming this is at the little cabin. I think he probably, he, he thought about what would be the best way to get him move on this specific location. Okay. Whereas, like, when they're in the apartment and the guy just comes through the window, right. maybe sniping wouldn't wouldn't have been as yeah. useful there. But this specific guy, he's he's you know when he's in the diner, he's like, mm-hmm. I can count. I think he was doing the mental math of okay, well, yeah, we're in a, a weird location mm-hmm. with a bunch of what... windows. I also had to write, surfed a human down the stairwell. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and when it happened, you were like, just shh, just shh about that part. The final action scene is a shootout where Bourne throws 
there's a big staircase and Bourne throws the a body not down the stairs down the like the middle the middle part yeah. where there's no stairs and yeah. he rides the body and shoots a guy in the head physics that's the only time in the movie where I'm like oh you guys forgot that this is yeah, grounded yeah, in reality yeah. and that was my favorite part I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my last note I do have questions for you that I wrote down by the way but my last note which is a little harsh but I think it was just how I was feeling as I wrote what was the point and I think that that was kind of my, when I boiled it down to like the one sentence of he just kind of didn't kill this guy because there were kids there. It felt a little, I think when the movie was over, I felt like, well, why do we care? So at the end, it just felt a little bit like something more should have happened or something more should have been revealed. And really it was all just, oh, I'm an agent and I got amnesia and I realized that I have more human to me than like agent. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like in the sequels, in the in the third one especially, they do a good job Me emphasizing too. how much they fucked with his head. Yeah, yeah. They get a little worse and worse as far as like more intense with the trauma that they show he's been through. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first one, I think, is still pretty surface level. It feels more in the first one like he's just a trained guy, like he doesn't care. But in the, by the third one, you're like, oh, he was kind of brainwashed. On this watch. And maybe it's just because I've seen it a couple times, mm-hmm. but I, I I feel like Damon brought a vulnerability to him because he, he seems to be genuinely distraught yeah. that he, he doesn't remember anything. You remember yeah. that part on the ship on the beginning where the yeah, captain is telling, good. oh, you're remembering stuff. He's like, no, I don't. That was I a don't. hilarious line that this guy said, oh, you're remembering stuff. I was like, because he knew how to tie a fucking knot. That's being like, it was like he said, he's like, well, yeah, I know how to talk and read. It's like. Are you fucking stupid? Have you never heard of amnesia? I think to your point about the what is the point-ness of it, if they had focused more on the um, psychological toll of Mm -hmm. not knowing who you are, what that does to you, I think it would have sold sold it better. Because it... It's funny, They, I really do feel like he did a good job with the humanity of his character, but I don't know. I think there's some car chases or something that could have been replaced with like some more getting to know him, mm-hmm. especially because since that's his origin movie, the second and third one, we don't really have as much time for that. And so it would have been nice in the first one if there was a little bit more, yeah, relaxing time to get to know him a little better. Mm. What are some of your questions? My question is, what do you think is the biggest asset of this movie? Like what makes you like this one the most? <sighs> This one the most. Well, like I said, I think the style is the most enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch. I really like the third one when we watched it because it yeah. is paced perfectly. It's just yeah, nonstop. Yeah. But I think this one is the most human okay. of them. Yeah. Because he's just, he's sort of just a machine in yeah. the two sequels. I also really liked as a kid and now how it's a road trip across Europe, Mm -hmm. not having traveled internationally until 2015. Mm -hmm. It was really, you you only know what you see in movies and other media. So that was, that was really fun to see. That is fun. It's a a Euro trip, you might see. It's a lot like the movie Euro trip. Scotty doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, isn't Matt Damon in the movie? Yeah, he sings the song. (laughs) I was like, am I tripping right now? (laughs) Euro tripping? Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I kind of asked you the other one already. So yeah, that's it. That's your question? Mm-hmm. Something I also want to bring up, I think Supremacy and Ultimatum focus the style. I know I complain about it being difficult to watch, but the first one 
has this aesthetic in moments that is mm-hmm. very 2000s. You remember I asked you, um, has Doug Lyman directed music videos? Because I was right. getting... Did you look into that? He didn't. Okay. That was just what he decided to do. Maybe he was influenced by electronica or industrial yeah, yeah. music of the time. Yeah. But it, it really feels like you wouldn't steal a DVD. It, it is really <laughs> funny watching the three one after the other because you start to see them kind of slowly shed the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like the first one is very you wouldn't steal a DVD. And then by the third one, I think there was only one time where you and I like giggled about the transitions, you know, whereas <laughs> the first one and second one, it was a lot more, I think. Well, that's why I sent you the trailers too. I know, Because I those, love that. those were such a they time capsule. They actually had the voiceovers in the, at least the first one, maybe the second one too? The, I think the first two. Okay, yeah. Jason Bourne. Yeah, it was great. He doesn't he know doesn't who, know who, who he, he is. is. <laughs> CIA agent. I like the music a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the string theme is very powerful and has just been stuck in my head oh, yeah. since we watched the Can movies. Can you sing it right now? Oh yeah, that is good. <laughs> Specifically in the um, apartment scene where Bourne is on the phone and then he thinks that someone is going to break in. Yeah. The score incorporates sounds that sound like pots and pans. Hmm. So you're not really sure if... If it's happening in the movie or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I really like that. My second to last note was the last action scene is ridiculous. You (laughs) didn't need to surf a guy. And uh, then I have box office. So do you have any closing The only other thing is I did try to do my research on who's connected to the project for the first three. And so we've got Doug Lyman as the director only for this one out of the trilogy. Um, Tony Gilroy and William Blake Heron as the writers, and then obviously Robert Ludlum wrote the book. But mm-hmm. that's what we got for the first one. Maybe we'll talk about this later, but that video I sent you, The Born yeah. Identity Was a Shit Show, really was uh, revealing about yeah. Doug it, Lyman kind of seemed unhinged. I didn't know he was so neurotic. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. I wonder if he's calmed down I at mean, all. I would hope so. Like, I would hope that he just has grown up. So a little background. There's this video called The Filming of the Born Identity was, the sh- was a Shit Show. Basically, Doug Lyman was treating this. This was his first big budget movie. Mm-hmm. So that may have something to do with it. But he was not the easiest to work with. He was very erratic on set. He would make quick decisions and mm-hmm. they would not film stuff and then have to go back. And it really that prolonged the, the filming. Field where he got like yelled at by everyone. I was like, oh, you deserved it. Yeah, he got <laughs> he got yelled at by the producer who yeah. was a family friend. And then the studio. And then the studio. And apparently he was despondent yeah. after that. It also makes me sad because he makes good stuff. I like his stuff. I know. Even even his bad stuff. Like I, know. I Jumper is fun. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Jumper. That's funny. Edge of Tomorrow is great. Yeah, it really seemed stressful. Yeah. But I will say Matt Damon has nothing but positive things to say about yeah, him now. Yeah, that's what I also saw from the video. Matt Damon went on Hot Ones and said that you should have, you should really have Doug Lyman on, which I thought was cool that yeah. he thought that Doug Lyman I was mean, cool enough to be interviewed. Yeah, they must have a good relationship still. Well, and Matt Damon also said that every movie is difficult. Yeah. So he sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, he does. I don't think Doug Lyman does. but No. But it, like you said, maybe he's grown up. <laughs> what do you think the budget was for this movie? And what do you think it made? Hmm. hmm. Budget. 50 mil. Is that a good guess? That is a good guess. And it made 200 mil. 
Wow. That was a really good guess. It cost 60 mil. Okay. And it made 214 million dollars. Wow. Those are good guesses. So even when movies are difficult to make, it's nice to see them do well. Yeah. Audiences liked it. On to Born Supremacy. I'm ready. What are your thoughts? Okay. Thoughts. Let me bust out my little notebook. Overall, I think that I had a better time. (laughs) Honestly, I kind of feel like the first two were a little bit tied in my brain. I wrote, why didn't Doug Lyman direct this one? But then obviously I got the answers to that. We know now. <laughs> I said, everyone and their mom is in these movies because like every two seconds, some famous person would pop up. I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, you're in this. One thing I want to say about Born Identity is Chris Cooper is so good. He is good. He was also sort of a staple of my childhood. My grandma owned, oh my God, what's the Rocket movie with Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, October Sky. October Sky. My grandma owned that on VHS. So that just was a movie that we watched over and over again and he's scary in that Mm -hmm. but he was around so i was always like oh it's that guy yeah yeah. when we watched born identity yeah but just in that scene where born confronts him at the end he doesn't cower or anything he is pissed off he's like that's not acceptable soldier what is going on i know i think at the beginning of this movie maybe this is also why the second one kind of let me down is because the movie started in a way that i thought was a lot more interesting than the first well that's not true the first one starts really good too but the second one i was like "Ooh, this seems like a very different direction when it started i'm like this is a totally different location like it's going to be about these two trying to piece together more stuff about his life like i just had this kind of vision after the first five minutes of what the movie would be and was really excited about that. And I know I've mentioned it a couple times, but I do think I wanted it to be a little more memento-y with all of his journaling and stuff and all the... I love when she's looking through his journal at all the shit he wrote down. I like just that image of all these pictures and like memories I thought was really cool. So yeah, I just kind of wanted it to be more of that. I wasn't like sad when she died because I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just take this in a new direction. I do kind of feel like that would have been a good avenue to go down is the Mm -hmm. two of them exploring who he was yeah, and him having to keep her safe for longer. I I told you this when we watched the movie, but I saw this in theaters 2004. I would have been 10 at the time. And seeing her get killed, a character that I had become familiar with from the first movie, I was like, oh, you can do that. In the very beginning? In the first scene? Yeah. And you were like, dark fate. Yeah. But not in a way that breaks the movie, thankfully. But it's funny. But it bummed me out. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's his only tie to happiness and humanity. Was there anything that was confusing about this movie? I don't think so, but I do think this was the hardest one for me to follow. It felt like there were so many moving pieces and so many people after him. And then all of a sudden they're like, you committed this crime. And he's like, no. And then they're just, it just, it felt like there were a lot of moving parts and it felt hard for me to follow in the moment. For a quick synopsis, what gets the plot going is a character played by Brian Cox orchestrates a um, a frame job. Here's something I'm not entirely clear on it and it doesn't matter but essentially brian cox did something bad i think he like stole money he stole money or secrets and gave them to a russian so-and-so yeah so whatever that's (laughs) neither here or there at the beginning there was going to be information shared that would have implicated brian cox and so he works with um this russian oligarch Mm -hmm. to break up the deal and then they frame jason Bourne. right And so when they find Jason's fingerprints at the crime scene, they're like, wait, what the fuck? Who is this? And then everything 
unspools from there. Yeah. Yeah, I just found it, I found it confusing because that whole planting his fingerprint thing didn't really stick until they brought it up again. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really realize that's what had happened. And so I'm like, oh, why can't they just leave him alone? Why is this guy after him? And then it ends up being like a lot more of a tangled web of stuff going on. And then, yeah, and then there was this whole like, there's a baddie in the CIA. And I was like, oh, my God, there's so much happening. But I think it's one of those things where if I had seen it before, it would have made a lot of sense. It was just my first time absorbing everything. I was like, I'm lost. But I don't think it was so hard to follow that I couldn't figure it out. It just was a lot at the time. Besides Bourne, which character from the first three movies do you think is your favorite? I really like Pamela Landy. That's what I was going to say. She's She's uh, played by Joan Allen from uh, Face Off. That's why I asked right now because she (laughs) appears in this movie. She was running the um, operation at the beginning where that Bourne gets framed for, and she is pretty much leading the investigation about who Bourne is. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of a good government official. She's empathetic. Yeah. She's shocking that a woman would be empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that it is a woman, too. Yeah, me too. She's just no nonsense. She's competent. She's smart. She she sees bullshit, and she yeah cuts right through it. You said one other character or? No, just one, like besides Bourne. Like Pamela Landy. I like yeah. the whole cast. Uh, Julia Stiles. I, I like that yeah. she's there. Um, Brian Cox is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We notice Michelle Monaghan, though not in a significant he, part. She like, has two lines, basically. Maybe this is one of her first roles yeah, or maybe. something. Carl Urban. Carl Urban. That's right. Mm-hmm. There was one more. Oh, so the you know the, um, the only fight scene, hand-to-hand mm-hmm. fight scene, was with that agent of Treadstone, played by Martin Soskus. Mm -hmm. And a little fun fact that I'm not entirely sure is true, because I think I got it from IMDb, but he's the only other agent from Treadstone left. And it says that there was a scene that showed that he was the driver on the mission where Bourne kills the two Russian parents. And I thought that would have been cool to include. Yeah, that would have been cool. Another note is, I think this is what they were trying to do. But you know when they assassinate Chris Cooper at the end of Born Identity? Yeah. I think that they were trying to... I think what they should have done is made that the same person that Born gets in a fight with. Yeah. Because, one, continuity. Right. And two, oh, it it makes sense that you all know each other. We also just don't need a bunch of like nameless faces it just it just makes it so that you care less and less about the fights and the interactions if it's someone you've already seen or that you're going to see again you're more you care more yeah yeah something else that i i read i think also from imdb want to give credit this is mm-hmm. not something that i created i think that guy had also tried to assassinate jason and marie and was unsuccessful mm. and so when jason is in his house he says you should have moved oh yeah yeah. But we don't know. And it's a small thing. Of course. But what I really like about all of these movies, like one of the things that I think is my favorite is all the little sneaky shit where he has to do all these really clever things to find out information. So I wrote when he has to find out her room number. It reminded me a lot of like, you wrote that too? I did. It re- It's reminding me of um, like in Ocean's 8. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Where Sandra Bullock goes to the hotel and she calls because she overhears someone checking out of their room. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Our flight got delayed. 
uh, I'm going to need that room reopened. And like, can you just clean it for me? And then like the cleaning lady's in there. And then she sneaks into the room. She also gets a bunch of free like makeup and shit because she pretends she's, she's like, trying to return I'd like to it. return these things. Yeah. Like, you don't have the receipt. And yeah. she's like, I don't believe this. I and she walks out. And she's out. like, can I just get a bag, please? Yeah. <laughs> so just shit like that where you have to like overhear something or like make a phone call tricking someone. I love that shit. He does that a couple times. I like the, uh, what if I can't find Nikki Parsons? And he says, I be, know. It should be easy. She's standing right next <laughs> to you. I wrote, that's my next note. And I wrote, hee hee hee. <laughs> Just drop his balls Fucking right on the table. <laughs> my next note was, these are dark, joyless movies. Born literally doesn't smile in either sequels. <laughs> but I also appreciate that they are for adults. They're not pandery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel movies can be consumed by children. Oh, for sure. I think. That's why there's no blood. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I think these would upset children. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and confuse also, them. but I think like an old enough child, like you know, eight to ten, can like enjoy them. It might be a little intense, but yeah, had it had an effect on my brother and I. That's what I'm so. saying. This is so random, but I said he looks like a fucking nerd in the couple's photo. It's like him and Marie, and he's like, eh. he just looks so goofy. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, asexual, I'm telling you. He doesn't remember how to sex. <laughs> how Kaylee. to sex? I'm a virgin. My next note is just about budget. So oh, shit. I, okay. I didn't have very much. I didn't write a ton of notes either, but I did write, I need more combat, less chasing, which you said there's really only one hand-to-hand fight in this movie. And I felt like there was so much fucking chasing in this one. That's what's surprising re-watching this yeah. is there's a couple categories of action a fight scene that's in all the movies yeah. a chase scene that's in all the movies yeah. and a car chase scene right, that's right, in all right, the movies right, right, yeah. and it ticks those boxes that's funny yeah. not in an annoying way but I those are like I the totally three agree. action staples like you could probably say that about most action films yeah that they have those three things talking about the style real quick it's hard to see stuff you know the corridor crew guys have had a lot of stuntmen on the show Mm -hmm. and something that they say a lot is a lot of modern action movies now like your john wicks or atomic blonde are made in reaction to the Bourne movies Mm. because they wanted to see the hits yeah and i i appreciate the idea of, okay, well, the camera is moving because it's mm-hmm. like you're in the room there mm-hmm. with them. At the same time, though, I want to see the hit land. I want to see the bodies mm-hmm. take take hits. That being said, the energy is still there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, Like, it, it doesn't ruin it for you. It just makes it a little bit not what you would want. Correct. Yeah. I have a question for you that is plot-based. What if Abbott just took the confession tape and ran? Oh, did he leave it there with him? Yeah. Oh, I think he was like really banking on either Pamela coming or him killing himself, which both of those things happen. But I'm like, what if he just used this as an opportunity to flee? I think both Abbott and Bourne knew that Pam was so close to solving the mystery that even if he had run, Mm -hmm. he still burned. There's nothing that he could do. He'd Mm -hmm. have to be running the rest of his life. So even if he had taken the confession, Mm -hmm. then... They, they still have a huge amount of evidence mm-hmm. against him. Because I'm like, I, I agree with you. But just watching it and watching the recap video that I did today, I was like, huh, what if he just peaced out and then Bourne was still <laughs> under fire? Yeah, it's risky. I, it's risky of Bourne to do. He's got some hubris, that one. Also doesn't help that Abbott killed Danny Zorn. In the, yes. Uh, 
I think he would have been better off if he hadn't done yeah, that. Probably. But yeah, probably. I don't know. Uh, my last note that I wrote when watching the movie is he goes, you look tired. And I was like, okay, asshole. <laughs> when he sees her oh, through the window, for, for he goes, Pam. yeah, I'm like, bitch, that's rude. <laughs> what do you think this movie cost? Okay, more than the first one. And the first one was 60. Let me say 100 mil. Okay. And that it made 300 mil. It cost $75 million. Okay, not very much more. And it made $290 million. So you were close okay. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that Doug Lyman started everything off mm -hmm. and now Paul Greengrass has really taken the reins mm -hmm. on the whole thing because he, Paul Greengrass directed Supremacy and Ultimatum yeah. and the fifth movie, Jason Bourne. Oh shit, okay. And Matt Damon said, I will only do another Bourne movie if Paul Greengrass is involved. Interesting, okay. So I like relationships. He's got loyalty, that Matt Damon. Have you seen any of Paul Greengrass's other stuff? I looked up his filmography, but I forget. I think there was one I had seen. Green Zone? No. It's kind of like a born-ish action okay. movie, but I... I swear there was one I had seen, but maybe not. Captain Phillips? Oh, okay. I haven't seen that, but I was like, oh, yes. Oh, Captain Phillips. And then I think you've seen the Tom Hanks one. News of the World? No. It's a Western? I know of it. I haven't seen it, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of his style, is yeah. the docudrama yeah, yeah. thing. I think he's a good choice to ground the series in reality mm -hmm. more. Yeah, that's all I got about Supremacy. I also wrote that the um, only writer on this one was Tony Gilroy and then again, Robert Ludlum with the book. And they kind of, in one of the videos you sent, I think it might have been the shit show one, they talked about the way that it passed hands between writers and that I guess Tony Gilroy kind of got, they kind of talked about him negatively by the end of this. But they I'm did. like, But I'm like, okay, bitch, like he kept the series going. Leave him alone. Like he was in all involved in all three movies yeah it's it's a little confusing because while he is i think he is the main credit yeah. on supremacy he's he's credited in all three movies yeah it's a little unclear how much of his script actually made it on screen and that actually led to some friction between him and paul greengrass yeah and so when he right because they said he cut some stuff from his script he, and like left things out that yeah he wanted. yeah it was only supposed to be two movies too Oh, they shit. were planning on supremacy being the one that wraps it all up and then and then it made money. So they're like, I Oh, see. how do we how do we do more? Yeah. But then on the third one, Tony Gilroy really didn't want to do it. And uh -huh. so he turned in some half assed script yeah, yeah. that Matt Damon has said, I could put this thing on eBay and it would ruin his career. <laughs> oh my That's God. how bad it was. And That's he says, sad. I don't fault him for it, but it So we see where Matt Damon's loyalty line <laughs> is. And Another condition of Tony Gilroy doing the script for the third one yeah. was that he didn't want to speak to Paul Greengrass. Right. I saw that too. I'm like, why is everyone such a drama queen in these movies? And all that being said, these movies are good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Especially the third one, in my opinion. Yeah. No, no, no. So starting off on Ultimatum. Yeah. My first note is, I have a feeling that this one is your favorite. <laughs> It's like, well, I was also so vocal about it when we were watching it at my house. I was like, just out of curiosity, which one would you say is the best to critics? <laughs> you know, a lot of times movie series get worse as they go on. So I was worried that like people don't like this one. And I was like, I'm having so much fun with the third one. No, I think I'm pretty sure that I didn't look at like Metacritic or anything, but I think it's the highest reviewed. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. It's so fun. What about it? makes you like it the most <clears throat> i think it was like oh, i'm like did i have any specific things i wrote in my notes it feels like it had the most 
meet and kind of knew exactly how to use the good and the bad of the first two to make a like a perfect third one. Yeah. It felt like, okay, this did and didn't work from the first two. Here's how I'm going to make improvements for the third. Because I felt like all the fights were really interesting to watch in this one. Like there wasn't a fight where I zoned out. I was like, these are all so interesting. I was getting so fucking sick of the chases in the second movie. And by this one, I was so interested in all the chases. Mm -hmm. So I think, and like I said in my prediction, I do think throwing in a different dynamic, like having Julia Stiles have to run away too, and her having some degree of training, but not enough to like protect herself made for a really interesting, like that whole scene was so interesting. The one in Tangier? I loved it where he's like trying to go save the guy, but now that didn't work. Now he has to go save her and she can protect herself to a degree, but like he has to get to her before the other guy, but she's hiding. So it's hard. And like, and then there's that sick shot that corridor crew talked about where he jumps through the window. I was like, oh, that whole part was just so alive. I loved it. Directly comparing it to a chase scene in the second movie. Is it the element of Julia Stiles being in danger that makes it, that sells it better for you? Maybe. I think it also just felt... Maybe it is, because I think something about her being there makes it more human to me. There's like a level of... He is so skilled that it almost seems superhuman. Yeah. And when she's involved, it's like there's actually an element of risk. She could die doing this. Yeah. Whereas he, I don't think he's ever going to die. And they establish... Because they kill the journalist at the beginning, too. I was so shook by that when he died. I thought he was going to be involved the whole movie. But that's that's an example of yeah. okay you've you've shown what it looks like when it goes wrong. Yeah. yeah, that made me sad. Also because I wrote a note that I was like, "Ugh, I would have loved to see Justin Long in this role because he kind of felt like the bumbling like not idiot, but you know, just out of his element in guy, over his head. in over his head guy." And I was like, "Oh, this would have been so great for him." And then he dies, and I was like, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah. When he gets shot, yeah. you and I were talking about, like, would we listen would we to listen? everything that Bourne yeah. says or would we be so jacked on yeah. adrenaline? And because it's a person you've never met, like, we as an audience know he's trustworthy and that he knows what the fuck he's talking about. This guy doesn't know that. So why would I trust him? I don't know. Even just me talking about it now, I'm like, I feel the energy from the movie, yeah. you know? I'm like, yeah, that part was so fucking cool. <laughs> was, uh, what were the drinks that we had? The little espresso martinis. We were jacked at the end of this movie. <laughs> okay, I found out, by the way, that Alexa's a fucking liar. They do not have as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. So it was less. It was less, like way less. Like a like a tenth of a cup of coffee. So it was all the movie then. Yeah, I guess so. And we or it was like a placebo effect. We were like, Where's we've had so much caffeine. <laughs> I was just gonna say that I also felt myself being the most vocal during this one. Like just as stuff was happening, I kept being like, Oh my god or like <gasps> like when Julia Styles came on screen I screamed because I was so excited <laughs> to see her. <laughs> so I just yeah, I just felt like energized by this movie. I agree with you. It was <laughs> it was fun to watch it with was. you. It was. And it like you said when we paused it to make second drinks, you were like, "Holy fuck, this movie's like flying by." Mm-hmm. When we looked at how much time was left. It was like an hour in. You're right. They took the formula and they perfected it in this <laughs> yeah. one. This one has the most locations. Oh shit. I was surprised about the first one taking place almost entirely in Paris. Yeah. They go other places, but majority of the movie is in Paris. Was your memory of it more of a tour? I think they all had combined together 
so when okay. I thought when I thought about Born and Travel, I was like, oh, it's a trip across Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watching the movies, now you see that it's mostly the third one where they travel. Let me just yeah. read off the locations. Oh my god! They go to <laughs> Moscow, Paris, London, Madrid, Tangier, and New York. Wow! First time in America in these movies, at oh, least for shit. Jason. Yeah, that's cool. I did write down because I didn't really catch this as much when we watched it. But when I watched the little recap video, I was like, that's very convenient that after that guy gets exploded, he happens to have like find a little piece of paper that's like singed to death that says Central Intelligence Agency with an address. Like he pulls that out of the car of the guy who got exploded. Neil Daniels? Yeah. And there's like a strip of paper that like tells him where to go. Oh, I was like, that's so convenient for you. (laughs) There are there are a couple conveniences in this. It made me laugh. What do you think about the relationship between Bourne and Nikki? I wish they would kiss. (laughs) And I think that's just because there was romance in the first one, and so I'm like, she's the obvious choice for the new romance. But I wish they would kiss a little. (laughs) Just some heart in the movie. This was the first time watching the movie where I understood that Nikki was implying that there was some relationship. I know. They don't revisit that. It's so quick. I was like, wait, like when the movie ended and they didn't bring it back up, I was like, what the fuck? Well, and he's shocked too. He's like, yes, here's where the element of buying it comes in Yeah, because she's a baby in the first one. She was like 22 years old uh-huh. when they made that movie. So I'm just thinking about logistically, <laughs> like how long were you guys working together? Like for- their history is actually just like they fucked once and she's like, we have a history. It could have been. It could have been, yeah. But I'm, I'm just, it reeks of retconning yeah, a little yeah, bit where it's like, fair. wait a second. It, but I like- she died in the first one. But but- I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little girl. I just like a little romance. <sighs> In uh, Matt Damon has done two AMAs on Reddit and someone asked him what Julia Stiles smelled like. Uh, you want to know what he said? Ew, I'm scared. Happiness. Aww. And I was like, oh, <laughs> That's so you. nice. I thought you were going to say, just kidding. He said something the, else. The P word? <laughs> yeah, something gross and rude. <laughs> oh, I, I wrote... I love a good, I touch this thing and it brings up a flashback trope. And I mean that kind of sarcastically, but also I do I do genuinely like it. It's just like not how I think the human brain works. But I love that like every action movie, that's how they remember stuff. It'll be like, I touched water. Now I remember getting my head dunked in a fucking tank of water. That was one of my notes, either this one or the second one, where I put convenient memory relapses. Yes, yes, yes. Because it happens in the second yes. movie. He's remembering the, uh, the Nesky murders. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, he's just happening to remember mm-hmm. how he was trained. It's perfect for the plot. He's like, oh, I remember this just when I need to. <laughs> Do you know what rendition means? Is it what kind of uh, so in, figure of speech is it? In in context, David Strathern's character, Noah Vosen, he says, we need to activate our assets and initiate rendition protocols. I don't know what that means. The practice of sending a foreign criminal or terrorist suspect covertly to be interrogated in a country with less rigorous regulations for the humane treatment of Jesus prisoners. Jesus Christ. And doesn't that sound like bullshit well we did it somewhere else yeah we did it somewhere else yeah. <laughs> but i mean that is like how jurisdiction works i'll be like well i committed that motto in a different country don't punish me here guys we did it overseas yeah. we're still the good guys 
I brought up Zero Dark Thirty yeah. earlier, and these feel like similar movies. Yeah, yeah. The the intelligence community does not come off well no. in these. They're that one guy who I made the joke of like someone's gonna look at him wrong at Starbucks and he'll be like fucking kill that bitch because he just every problem he wanted to solve with murder. And fucking Pamela was like, maybe we don't murder them. She's like, wait a second. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Remember, he was like, all right, let's kill Nikki. She was like, literally, why? And he was like, kill her, kill her now. <laughs> do you like the villains in these movies? I do. They do kind of have a little bit of an archetype, though. It's like crotchety old white guy. I want to tell you who the crotchety old white guy is in the, <laughs> in the fifth movie, but I think we should just Fun. wait fun do you feel like the first movie warranted these two sequels that's a great question i don't know if like personally like if they came out today which would be crazy because they're so 2000s but if the first movie came out today i think i'd be like i don't need any more of those but it does have such a good base for something really interesting that i am glad they made more because, I mean, like I said, the third one's my favorite. I think there was the baseline of somebody who has all these fucking skills and doesn't remember anything about themselves is a great story with a lot of meat. I don't know if the first one, like, represented that completely, but I think story-wise, yeah. Yeah, on paper, it seems like a really good idea. It like, does, yeah. Okay, we end the movie not knowing a lot about him. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing is we still don't know a lot about know, him, yeah. but we know... We know his birthday. We know what happened. Yeah. We know what led him to this point. Yeah. It's a fine line with sequels because then you're like, really? You're adding that? It, right. It, when you get into heavy retconning territory, uh-huh. then that's when you're like... What's happening here? Squinting yeah. your eyes a little bit. I did want to point out the thing I was going to say about this movie that I liked in terms of cleverness, like how we talked about him getting her room number. I love every time he has to meet with somebody. And in this movie, it happens like two main times where he has to meet with someone, but everyone is fucking watching him. So he has to do something like really sneaky and tricky to get them alone enough to where he could talk to them. So like with the reporter and like with Nikki, it's just the writing behind that I feel like is some of the most skillful parts of the movies because you have to think not only how would like these very very smart intelligent agencies think but how would someone who's smarter than them think like that just seems very I can't imagine trying to write something like that you have to put yourself in the shoes of like okay if I'm committing a crime in a public place yeah I have to be aware of security yeah and he does all of that he's like tie your shoe yeah, Tie your shoe. yeah, yeah. Stand next good. to the man with the in the hood. <laughs> it's so funny too that that guy's like, oh, okay. Actually, no, I can spot people now. That guy over there has a gun. No, he for sure has a gun. <laughs> it's like, bro. <laughs> we're 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 ragging on him a lot, and I have to imagine that was the most stressful situation. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Blackbriar isn't as big of a presence in the second movie, uh-huh. but it. Blackbriar is the new program in the third movie. Yeah. And they mention it at the end of the first movie. So I Oh, at the end of the first movie. Yeah. So Brian Cox is sitting before the council and he's just saying that, you know, Treadstone, it didn't work out. But we have this new program called Blackbriar. Interesting. So I think that's that is cool sequel bait that I'm okay with. I will say though, in the third movie, I as soon as they mentioned Blackbriar, I wrote Blackbriar is a Treadstone upgrade, da-da-da-da, great, da-da-da, because da, da. <laughs> it just felt like, 
we already closed that one. So like, here's a, a new one that's the same fucking thing. I'm not gonna say much, but what I will say is I'm okay with a program being the upgrade of something once. <laughs> it would be stupid if, if they, they did, did that twice. other times. Oh no. Wouldn't it? That would, would that, be that would be so crazy. Would that strain your suspension of disbelief? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I put I love a little trap slash decoy, and I don't remember what that was in regards to, but I do love a little trap slash decoy. Is it when he calls David Strathern and gets his voice recording? Maybe. I wrote it right before I squealed about Julia Stiles. Oh, wait, your note was trap slash decoy? Yeah. Is it the flashlight on the fan? I think so. That was cool. I like yeah. creative solutions. Me too. To problems. Me too. Yeah. That's where the writing is like, ah, ah. Because someone had to think of that. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to see. Something that Matt Damon said in his AMA was what makes Jason Bourne so compelling is when when James Bond is in danger, he has a gadget to get himself Mm. out of the the issue. But Jason Bourne has to improvise. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's fun to see, okay, he's going to use a pen. He's going to roll up a magazine and just fucking... We anticipate we don't improvise. Who said that? The killer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't give up. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit, I missed. (laughs) That was good. I also wrote, I start to tune people out when they go into the office, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't like, that's, I think, the part of all three movies where I'm like, oh, yawn, is when they're in some kind of CIA office being like, Treadstone, Blackbriar. Oh, when they're behind, like, uh, commuter screens? Like, anytime that people are just sitting, like, old white guys are just in an office being like, me, Treadstone, me. So just, like, on the phone with each other saying, okay. Just, like, giving me exposition about CIA stuff. Gotcha. I get really bored. At the same time, though, it, it doesn't feel like, at least to me, mm-hmm. like explicit exposition. No, it doesn't. I just get bored. Okay. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> I do like when whenever they're behind computers, especially in the first movie, they're doing good research to try to pinpoint where Bourne is. So mm-hmm. they're like, okay, Marie has lived in these five mm-hmm. locations. and That here's... was clever, the way they found them that time i also like that it's just boring offices it's not it's not like like the avengers suite or something yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh i forgot daniel brule was in this what the heck little cameo essentially yeah i thought that would be a bigger part which it didn't need to be i kind of implied that it was a bigger part (laughs) okay with the red herring (laughs) but he was it was cute to see him there i swear i had something else i was gonna say uh i just wrote that one old white guy I love to insult and kill women, says old white man. <laughs> the one who wanted to kill Nikki? Yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. And then I wrote, I love a man running to save a woman from another man. Like, there's something about him trying to go save Julia that was so much more motivated or like more severe watching him do that. Even though it wasn't like, I'm saving the love of my life. It was still like, I must save this woman who can't save herself. I was like, yeah. Do you think that's the best fight scene of the series? The one in Tangier with Dash? I think so. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and he like uses the book on him, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember thinking, this is reminding me of John Wick, even though obviously this came first. I really liked that whole scene. He also gets his ass kicked pretty... He does, which I thought was cool. Nice change. But it's his experience that wins the fight, ultimately. And like when he grabs the rag thing in the bathroom... Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's good. That whole sequence from the beginning of him chasing him from the coffee shop drop off mm-hmm. to the end was like my favorite part of the I'm whole getting thing. pumped thinking about yeah. it right now. Oh, I just smacked your printer. My I'm printer. getting too pumped. <laughs> <laughs>
I have a note that just says the amnesia reset him to who he was, but we still don't know much about him. Oh, yeah. But like I said earlier, we find out how severely they fucked with his head. Oh, yeah. They destroyed him and built him from the ground up. I know. Like you said, it was very Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could have remembered like the keywords that... One is 17. One is like, one is like black car. It's like two words. I have a shirt that Courtney gave me with all the words on it. I know. (laughs) Daniel Brühl. One of my final notes is... uh, he says, I'm no longer Jason Bourne. And then the movie ends with him in water again. Yeah. What, oh, that's interesting. Which Starts I thought, and ends with him in water. It's almost like they should have stopped. Yeah. I haven't even seen the next two. I'm just assuming they should have stopped. A couple things. I'll say the last note that I wrote first. I was trying to examine why I thought the car scenes were more fun in this one than in the others, like the car chases and stuff like that. And I think overall, this movie just did a really good job of intertwining story within those scenes rather than it just being like pure action with nothing going on. I felt like they did a better job of kind of like cutting together other stuff that we cared about mm-hmm. and less just like watch some cars, watch some punches. Cut to Bourne's reaction in the car. Yeah, yeah. I know you've only seen them once. Yeah. But if you rewatch the second movie, I had a headache after oh, the car damn. chase in that one. Yeah. And I feel like in this third movie, they sort of got control of the style uh-huh. a little more. And so it's more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And well, then here's another thing that's great about the movies. All of the action is real. They did yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So when the cars crash, especially in that third one, the impact is so good. Yeah. That's why it gave me some PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> This is like just very truly, I'm curious because I've only seen it once and I wonder what your thoughts are. Does the timeline jumping ahead at the end of two serve any purpose? I know you said they didn't think they were going to make a third, but to have the beginning of the third one take place in between things we had already seen, it just was so confusing to me when I then saw that scene from the end of two again. And I was like, was I supposed to know that the whole time? Did it serve a purpose? Like, why couldn't the movie have taken place after? They wrote themselves into a corner. Because they they... had shown that already? Yeah. Okay. So you think that was why they didn't plan on another one? So they were like, oh, fuck. If we want another movie, we have to slip it in? Yeah. Okay. All things considered, they... They they... did do a good job. I just... I had no fucking idea why I was so confused. I don't think I I picked up on that the first time I saw <laughs> okay, the movie. Because so. I was like, was I supposed to know that? Am I stupid for not knowing this whole movie took place before that last scene? But it seems like it was kind of irrelevant, to be honest. If if you're looking at that ending scene at the end of the second movie, right, where he says, "You look I, tired," <laughs> you look tired. That kind of is a nice bow on it everything. It, it could is. end right there. Yeah. So I get it in that in that context. Yeah. But then. You have to, oh, shit. Well, if he and Pam are on good terms, how how do we... we... Especially how do we include her if we want her in the third movie? That would be, like, impossible. Good writing themselves out of the corner. Um, I wish I could know what my reaction was seeing the movie for the first time when it opens with him in Russia. Mm -hmm. Did I know he was... Because I was just like, oh, he's there again. That's what I thought. Yeah. Or he's... Why he's, wouldn't he be? He's been to Paris like six fucking times. He's injured from something else. Yeah. What, what, Jason right. just gets himself into this shit. Of course. This is like just a question I have about the trilogy in general. What do you think keeps you coming back for these movies more and more? 
the trip across Europe. The what? Ele- the trip across Europe. Element. Trip across Europe. It sounded like you just made up a new word. <laughs> the trip across Europe. In 2008, there was an exchange student going to our high school, and uh-huh. we spent a lot of time with him because he was in the band. Mm-hmm. And we showed him these movies. We were like, oh, he was from Czech Republic. Yeah. And we were like, oh, you got to see these. You have to see these. And he was like, I need to learn my languages now. In our heads, they were like, these are the the peak espionage in uh-huh. Europe movies. Yeah. And just going back to those memories, it's fun to yeah. revisit. I think these will be more fun on a rewatch. Like, there are some movies where we've both said, like, oh, wouldn't it be so sick to see that for the first time again? But then I think there are other movies that actually benefit from having seen them before. And I think that this series would be one of those. But I think watching The Ultimatum again, I'll be like, oh, remember the first time how high I was on this? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think this one cost and what do you think it made? Well, since the other one was only 75, let me say that this one cost 100 mil. And I want one of them to get higher. So I'm going to say, but I feel like none of these were like skyrocketed at the box office. I'll say 400 mil. You're really on top of your guesses. It cost 110 mil. Wow. And it made $444 million. Wow. And also in his AMA, Matt Damon said that it's the only time that he's been paid his full quote as an actor interesting yeah just because it made enough is yeah. that why huh. he's the lead so yeah, he's crazy. he's the money i wish there was a box office mojo for rental data and dvd purchases i know me too because something interesting about the pirates movies yeah on their wikipedia page it said how much dvd sales made oh, and damn. it was like 300 million dollars which is movies hope for a theatrical what's run that, of that what's that term called for that money made after there's like a term for it in the rental market yeah it's called like the something market secondary maybe is that what it's called could be like what it made in the secondary market in the home video market yeah i just feel like there's a term maybe it's secondary market i just i'm like there's a term people use when they're like oh this is how much it made in dvds and stuff Mm -hmm. oh it's on the tip of my tongue right you get it i know what you're talking about Would you watch these again? These are my closing questions, by the way. Yes, I think I would watch them again. I would probably want to give it some breathing room, but I would watch them again. I think I would want to watch it, though, with someone who hasn't seen it. I don't think I would just put it on for myself. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It'd be like to show someone else and see how they feel about it. Would you recommend them? Good question. Because I feel like sometimes it almost serves... I'm trying to think of like... You know how there are some TV shows where the beginning kind of sucks and then it's like, oh, but once the end of season one hits, like you're going to love it, that Mm kind of thing. I kind of feel that way about this, where I'd be like, if you can just make it to the third one, you'll like love the series. But I wouldn't want someone to drop off after the first or second one. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think like a... uh, (laughs) I think if I like were talking to some like basic bitch dude about the series, he'd be like, oh fucking love born so i think i could recommend it to like a bro (laughs) it's tough especially with stuff that you really like yeah because you have to accept that no one is going to have your experience and that is something that has been difficult for me to come to grips with because i know like using an example that's the same for you and i yeah we both have a strong relationship with the terminator series especially terminator 2 we can't necessarily recommend that to Courtney or Kimmy and mm-hmm. expect them to love it in the same way yeah. because they didn't grow up with them. They, 
they would be seeing it at, with adult eyes mm-hmm. for the first time. So that's difficult. Yeah. It is, yeah. I don't know. How do we how do we navigate I this know. film landscape? Um, also, I got to say that how much of Dexter did you watch when Courtney was watching it when she lived here? Oh, very little. Oh, very I, little. I never saw an episode all the way through. I just saw oh, okay. clips. I feel like even though it's not like the season that I think is the best overall, I feel like you would really like the Julia Stiles season. It's I, like the most tender season. Every time you say that Julia Stiles was on Dexter, it's like the first time you're telling me. <laughs> I, I forget every single time. And then I'm like, oh, That's like shit. what I always think of when I think of her. I'm like, yeah, Dexter. Was she before John Lithgow? Right after. Right after? Immediately after. So like the show was still a little good. And then it... Her season, I... Well, most people are like, after season four, it goes downhill. They just say that because season four is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. But her season, I love. The season after, I think, is kind of mixed opinions. It's got Colin Hanks. I think he's super fucking good. And uh, Edward James Olmos. They're both really good. I really like that season. But toward the end of that season, you start to see, like, ooh, stuff is starting to lose its grip in this show. And then seven and eight are just like... <laughs> you could apply that exact same description to Game of Thrones because Kate oh, and I yeah. have been watching. Kate will just put Game of Thrones on just for funsies, and I've been watching it with her. Yeah, and I feel the same way. Like season four is when they still had all of the book material available, yeah, and then they had to start creating their own stuff okay, from yeah. season five onward. There's still some really good stuff in mm-hmm. seasons five and six, mm-hmm. and then there's some stuff that makes you go cross-eyed. <laughs> And then seven and eight just go off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very similar to Dexter. But if you ever decide to give it a try, I feel like the Julia Stiles season would be... It's a good season to jump in on because it is a very contained story. Like, it really has a beginning, middle, and end, that season by itself. Okay. She's really good in it, too. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. That's all I can say. <laughs> Who would win a fight? Oh. Jason Bourne. Okay. John Wick. And then I just have Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Just as he is currently. Maybe Ethan Hunt, if you want to be. Which, is that Mission Impossible? Yeah. The problem is I don't know those movies well enough. So I can't give him a fair fight. So he's, in the Mary Fuck Kill scenario, he's getting killed. Um, actually, ooh, yeah, Mary Fuck Kill also. But, <laughs> but I feel like... I feel like John Wick. He has more of an edge to him than I think Bourne does. Bourne seems more skilled to me, but I think John Ed- John Edge, John Edge, <laughs> I think John Wick just has like something in his eyes. Maybe it's the revenge element. You know, Bourne never really had like revenge in his eyes, even after Marie died. I feel like he was always just kind of like, I have to kill these people the who are after me and not like the love of my life. Whereas John Wick is always operating on revenge. I think he would win. I was thinking it would be funny to um, do a video where you have all these great action heroes fighting each other, but when the focus is on them, it's in the style of them. So when Bourne's on screen, the camera's all over the place, but then it cuts to John Wick's point of view and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's asking the camera guy. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, I also forgot to say, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but yeah, this was directed by the same person as two and then written by um tony gilroy but then also two other people yeah two other people that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and they did a really good job well it's because that the the draft that um tony gilroy turned in was so bad yeah that scott z burns who who wrote stuff like contagion and yeah i saw that and uh side effects yeah yeah and then george nolfi who directed matt damon in the movie adjustment bureau 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Damon said that Nolfi was on set. So I'm guessing he was in real time probably... cleaning the script. Yeah. I wonder, you know, even though it sounds like it sucked, I wonder if the bare bones that Tony gave them was like enough to, it was clearly enough to work off of where they were like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I would be curious to see all of these renditions, you know? Yeah. Like, what did you actually do? I just come back to Matt Damon saying, if I showed... his career. I, you know, what What does that mean? Yeah. Is it written in crayon? They... <laughs> I'm like, what's something really offensive that could just be in there all the time? <laughs> just not, I'm just going to stop Ma- there. Jason Bourne is racist now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know that story about uh, Goodwill Hunting when they were when they were showing the script to studios, right? I don't know. Tell me. Well, they had written a gay sex scene between Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's character to see if people actually read the script. Oh, my God. And if no one mentioned it, they knew that the, the studio head didn't read it. And, you know, the person who read the script was Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And he, he said, you know, guys, this is really good, but uh, what's with the sex scene? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only good thing he ever that's the, did. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Barf. Yeah. Sorry that we even I even mentioned his Just name. Just bleep it out. <laughs> I, I should. You guys would know. Yeah, you Listeners know. would know. I only have one question in it. I think it's the definitive closing question. Do you have anything else you would like to nope. say? What are you expecting for Born Legacy and Jason Bourne? I have no idea how Jeremy Renner is supposed to be involved. Hazard a guess. How? How? Is he playing Jason Bourne? No. Okay, I'll say God. that much. That's good. Um, that would have been insane if... <laughs> and then they go back to Matt for the next one? Yeah. Um, I would be offended. If... Yeah. They're like, it's another white guy. <laughs> um, another Boston guy. Yeah. Another guy who looks like he's in the military. I'm going to guess, since it's the Born Legacy, that it's kind of like how in John Wick, they're like, you mess with John Wick? John Wick? Are you kidding? It's going to... That's going to be like kind of the reputation Born has. And so I think Jeremy Renner will be... Like the next up and coming born esque guy. I don't think he's gonna have amnesia, but I think he'll be like a fighter, like a CIA guy with a conscience who then has to kind of walk in the footsteps of Matt Damon of like, oh, I'm gonna have to go against what I'm supposed to be fighting for, for the good of society. Gotcha. And then for the fifth one, what's that one called? Just Jason Bourne. Just Born? Jason Bourne. I don't think it's an origin story. So. Mm, does he mm, i have no idea and just born legacy came out in 2012 and jason Bourne came out in 2016 yeah so you have to keep in mind that matt damon is 10 years older yeah maybe he has a baby okay <laughs> the baby was born you might say <laughs> yeah it's actually jason Bourne spelled b-o-r-n <laughs> and his baby's name is also Jason. Yeah, I really don't know. Maybe it's going to be like just about what his life is like now and some other big problem comes up in his life, but it has nothing to do with the CIA. It's like some other fucking, some guy wants revenge on him or something. And it's like the CIA isn't involved because get them out of here. Yeah. But it's like him. But you did say that the CIA is going to redo Blackbriar, so I don't know. Shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> What a great idea that you just that had, Kaylee. Was? That was that was a good idea. <laughs> okay. We did the trilogy. We did it. Thank you for joining me and um, looking forward to discussing the two sequels. I'm excited too, just because they're both sequels to movies that I really loved. Yeah. And I went into them knowing that, 
okay, these are sequels to things that I really loved. Yeah. So I was disappointed. How many times have you seen both of those? I think I've seen Legacy twice and Jason Bourne twice. Okay, makes sense. I remember Jason Bourne a lot more and Legacy almost nothing. Okay. I think it's been about a decade since a I've decade? seen Legacy. A decade? Dude, I got to tell you something after we start recording. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that I am glad the third one ended up being my favorite because I feel like, say I loved the first one as much as I loved the third one. And then they just got worse and worse from there. And then you and I are about to go watch two more that are even worse. I think I'd be a little tired. I'd be like, oh, God, not only do I not have the nostalgia with these, but they're getting worse. Yeah. So it was exciting to have like a pump up at the end of the trilogy. Yeah. Kind of the reverse of um, Terminator 3. Yes. Or just yes. gets worse. Where you're from like, there. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Cool. I'll, I'll see you next time. See you next time.